Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, the show that aims to help change the way you lead. I'm Andy Peck. You've probably heard the oft-quoted statistic of the number of people who live on less than a dollar a day. Currently, there are more than one billion people in the world who live on less than a dollar a day. Of course, a dollar's value in some countries makes the stat a little less shocking. But even so, those in the West are faced with a massive challenge if they wish to help them. Many have responded over the years by providing aid to those in need with Christian charities at the forefront. A more recent and slightly more imaginative approach comes from a breed of what is known as social entrepreneurs. These are people keen to use their business skills to help those trapped in poverty to help themselves. To learn more about this social entrepreneurs and wider issues, I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Steele-Smith on the line from South Africa. So welcome, Andy, to Leadership File. Thanks, Andy. So um, you, you worked as an investment banker in the, in the city of London. Uh, can you give us a kind of brief explanation of your journey into what we're calling uh, social entrepreneurship? Sure, Andy. Um, well, first of all, let me say thank you for uh, honouring me by inviting me to chat with you today. I really appreciate that. Um, I guess uh, after some 30 years or so as a believer, and the latter half of that working uh, primarily as a, um, as a for-profit entrepreneur, um, I was constantly challenged that there had to be something more to my Christian faith um, and somebody uh, perhaps like myself who'd been blessed with some sort of worldly success, um, something more than just, say, another deal or another bonus or having you know, another car on the driveway. Um, so after about five years of, of continuing in the for-profit uh, space uh, as an entrepreneur, but, but just having an, un, an uneasy check in my spirit, um, uh, I had a pretty transformational experience. I was actually in the U.S. Uh, on business, um, um, uh, buying a, a coffee company over there with a, with a friend of mine from Australia. And um, I ended up finding myself at a place called the Los Angeles Dream Center. Uh, and it was a... Um, essentially a 1,500-bed uh, disused hospital uh, that had been turned into a, uh, into a, a Christian, a Holy Spirit-filled rehab facility for drugs, uh, drug dealers, uh, pimps, prostitutes, gang leaders, etc., etc. And, um, and it was when I was there that I was really first confronted um, firsthand with the, the, the poor, the needy, uh, and the oppressed and downtrodden. And, um, and through a um, really a Holy Spirit moment there, God uh, started to imprint on my mind and my heart, if you like. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty, as surely as you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And then Micah 6, 8, what does a good Lord require of us? Justice and, and, uh, and uh, mercy and uh, to walk with our Lord humbly. And, um, and so through that process, I really started to, to change my focus, my mindset, if you like, from how can I profit my own kingdom to how can I profit God's kingdom? Um, and how can I look to work with the least of these rather than, than with the most of these, which are the people that I would have previously um, probably sought to spend my time with. Um, and I guess at, at the Dream Center, not the first time I was there, but the second time I went back after a few months to uh, look, listen, learn, and, and minister a little myself, um, God really gave me uh, two, two specific dreams. Um, and one was... Um, that when I looked at the Dream Center and I, I saw this place filled with 1,500 people that the world would say uh, uh, are no accounts, um, I saw a diamond mine uh, in my mind's eye of incredible entrepreneurial talent. Um, in some cases, you know, you had uh, uh, drug dealers that could sell, you know, $100,000 worth of crack co co cocaine a week. Um, you can't know that person is not a, an incredible entrepreneur just waiting to be released into 
legitimate entrepreneurship rather than illegitimate entrepreneurship. So that sure. was one yeah, yeah. one dream that I had. Um, and the second was, and it was really more of a conviction. Um, it came in, in the form of a dream, but it really was a conviction. And it was uh, it was that you know we in the church we often talk about um, uh, kingdom multiplication, and yet when it comes to entrepreneurs and to, to business people, often what the church unfortunately uh, does is 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 it subtracts or it divides. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the, the church might ask me for a hundred pounds, and there's nothing wrong with me giving a hundred pounds, and nothing wrong with me. Uh, being asked to give 100 pounds, and yet if I was asked to give 100 pounds worth of time, um, that might actually multiply into something worth more than 100 pounds. Rather than giving 100 pounds, it can only be spent one time. Uh, and so I started to, to pursue a dream in my heart uh, for Christian entrepreneurs um, to give of their time rather than just of their, uh, of their financial talents, if you like, and to give of, of the benefit of that time rather than just the benefit of, of the financial outcomes of the businesses that they might be involved in, if that makes sense. Oh, sure. And so, um, you know, the, most people who are quite rich just end up giving, you know, writing checks, maybe maybe, maybe sitting on boards of trustees or whatever, which is which is wonderful. And if you're, if listeners are doing that, that's that's you know, God bless you. But um, but you found you you found, you sense God saying actually, there's other ways in which I can give, and that that was one of them. And they were attract, you were attracted to this concept of uh, what we call social entrepreneurs that are actually helping the, the the poorest of the poor to to create a situation where they don't need to necessarily ask for money in the future in in that kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and you had a you were um, you went you went into to Los Angeles. You were based in the UK at that point, and then you had a, an unexpected call to Africa, I believe. Uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after uh, after spending uh, over a period of about four years or three or four years, um, uh, I spent about 50% of my time bouncing backwards and forwards to different parts of Africa uh, every month or six weeks from uh, from the UK, from Bath, where I was living at the time. Um, we really felt that God uh, was calling us as a family to, to, to base ourselves uh, in, in Africa, and uh, and not just me and not just my wife, but the whole family to, to really plant ourselves um, in amongst the, the poorest of the poor and to, um, to help strategically to, um, uh, to you know, just to help with whatever it was that God put in front of us at, at the time, but rather than flying in and flying out to be based here. Fantastic. And um, so you're based in which part of South Africa at the moment? Uh, right at the moment, we're in a place uh, on, on holidays called Wilderness, which is appropriately called Wilderness, but we live in Cape Town. Okay, sure. Okay, so for, for those who know their 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 Africa or South African geography, so um, you know, your your one of your uh, roles has been therefore to, to to train and help people from a from a kind of poverty background, and um, you know, people talk about a poverty mindset. Um, uh, is that is that something that you've encountered as you? Uh, have you seek to help people? Um, yeah, and, and and I have to be honest and say uh, my perspective on this has really been challenged over the last four or five years um, since spending a lot of time uh, and now living in Africa. Um, and and that is that you know I I used to think uh, that people uh, were bound by what we would often hear of being preached in in the US, the UK, Australia, etc., as being a poverty mindset. And yet, often that poverty mindset is something that's actually been put upon them um, by a colonialist, um, uh, missional type approach. I sure. people coming from different parts of the world and saying, "Hey, we'll we'll set up a soup kitchen because that seems like a great idea." 
and the heart behind that usually is wonderful and amazing, and yet often that's created a, a, a disempowerment and a sense of hopelessness and uh, and helplessness. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so I've, I've definitely experienced uh, experienced that, and yet um, uh, I've also seen uh, how quickly you can see people um, transformed in their own mind um, from uh, from that hand up mentality to or a handout mentality to a hand up mentality. Uh, if they're given, uh, if they're given the right support and um, and are encouraged, but in such a way that it's not just uh, a, a, you know a handout for the sake of a handout, and then walking on to the next person to hand something out to them as well. Sure, sure. Um, and lots of folk who end up leading charities uh, do so partly because of things that have happened to them. Maybe they've been through a trauma, or someone close to them has, and they. They they say, well, I want to I want to change this change change the world for the better, um, and that that kind of feeds into their entrepreneurial spirit. Um, do you find that uh, amongst those that you work with, that those who've who've, who've struggled in the past, who've you know uh, have had to be dependent upon handouts, actually have that that the kind of fire in the belly, should we say, that that actually enables the energy to to create uh, business. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely do. I think um, if you see somebody who's who's uh, seen their lives transformed from homelessness to uh, to no longer being homeless and 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 being uh, you know in, in a uh, in a relatively prosperous state um, compared to where they were, uh, then very often you'll see in that person um, uh, a real passion uh, to to help others uh, make the same same transition that uh, that they've made. Um, I suppose it's in a similar context in a, in a you know, perhaps say a Western context that if you see somebody who's been abused or somebody who's been um, a, you know a victim of, of human trafficking for example that very often that person I say very often sorry sometimes that person will feel a real conviction and have the right uh, the right skills and, and gifts uh, to be able to then turn that painful experience into something that's hugely valuable and helpful to many others um, well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy uh, Steelsmith. He's a, a social entrepreneur based in uh, Cape Town in South Africa. Uh, we're uh, talking about the, uh, the, the joys and the challenges of, of, of social entrepreneurship, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy Steele-Smith. Andy is a, a social entrepreneur. Um, he'd been involved in the, the business as an investment uh, banker in the City of London. Uh, and then, as, as God had opened his eyes to the, the value of, of becoming a social entrepreneur, helping the poorest of the poor to, uh, to, 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 to develop their own business so that they're less dependent upon aid and able themselves to, um, to, to flourish and, and to, uh, to, to retain dignity as well as... Um, uh, a sense of hope and and, and faith, um, Andy. When when you, your your work includes training up uh, people as, to be entrepreneurs, I'm just interested from a leadership angle, uh, the kind of uh, approaches that you seek to take, um, and also whether you do any kind of screening of people, whether they have to have a uh, some sort of entrepreneurial background themselves before they come to you. Sure. Um... Let me let me answer the second question first, and the first question second, if I may. Okay, sure. uh, in terms of screening, um, uh, in in my prior life, uh, building business for for profit as opposed to uh, for for social profit, if you like, or for for, for others, 
um, yeah, I screened heavily and, and uh, you know, CVs were a big part of that, interviews and reference checking and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but, uh, but most of what I do now is, is more on an organizational basis. So I'll get involved with and, and help support financially and or with time um, uh, a particular uh, micro-entrepreneurial um, uh, mentoring organization, for example, or a particular human trafficking um, uh, uh, organization doing research or rescue work or whatever the case might be. Um, so for, for the latter, uh, to be honest with you, the screening that I do is, is um, you know, I, I meet with people, I pray about it, I let the Holy Spirit speak to me, and probably the most valuable screening tool I have is actually my wife, Rachel, who has uh, great discernment, which is, uh, uh, which is something that, uh, uh, that you know, we really need our partners for. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, um, uh, in terms of, um, I guess, the kind of organizations that we, that we get involved in and, and help, um, uh, what we've tried to do is to, is to back existing organizations. So rather than saying, hey, let's go and start our own thing and, and do our own thing, um, looking at uh, organizations that God puts before us that we really feel an affinity with the, the leadership of to help them and support them and to, uh, to help mentor or to help work behind the scenes with them or sometimes working in, uh, in front, but usually behind the scenes to try and help those organizations to become bigger and, and better and stronger and to do better uh, what uh, uh, what otherwise they were setting out to 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 achieve? I, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, sure. And um, so, so to some extent, you're providing um, a kind of what they call microfinance, or I suppose it's a it's a bigger level of microfinance. It's bigger finance, isn't it? To 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 help existing charities. Is that the kind of thing, or is it more? Is it more kind of talking through the the kind of organisational challenges that they face? Um, look, we, I guess I'd break it down into two different levels, Andy. Uh, the first is um, we've gotten quite heavily involved with a number of organizations. Um, so my wife, uh, f- uh, for example, uh, volunteers at a, a, an early learning literacy center um, that's run by a church that we're involved with. And, um, and that's a, a center based in a township where they really tackle um, poverty through education. And so that's a real calling for her. Um, and that's something that she's very uh, uh, involved in a, in a very tactical as opposed to a strategic way I suppose um, tactically similarly I'm, I'm involved with a uh, with a, uh, a micro uh, uh, entrepreneurial mentoring organization that's seen about five or six thousand people's lives transformed through uh, having them um, uh, mentored into rather than a subsistence uh, entrepreneurial endeavor into a successful entrepreneurial endeavor uh, over the last six or seven years, that's the organization that's been doing that for six or seven years. I've only been helping them for a couple of years. Um, and so uh, we, we get involved at a tactical level with uh, uh, with organizations that God really places before us and, and puts in our heart. Um, but also I've spent a fair bit of my time uh, with um, uh, organizations trying to help them uh, to act like a for-profit organization as opposed to a charitable uh, uh, organization. Um, so encouraging those organizations to cooperate with each other rather than building their own things to, you know, one of the things that we, we learn in business is uh, find the right partners and stick with them. And so doing the same thing in the charitable space um, and uh, and particularly you know, one of the scriptures that God's really put on our heart and mind over the last four or five years has been Psalm 133 where there's unity in the body of Christ. There God commands a blessing. And so when we've seen um, Christian organizations, Christian charitable enterprises work cooperatively together. We've just seen fantastic things happen that otherwise probably wouldn't have happened if they were uh, operating.
operating as a standalone organization is doing their own thing. And so um, uh, some of the, fo- the poor folk that are helped, if I could forgive me, forgive the stereotype poor person, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so <clears throat> that person might be encouraged to create a product or to provide a service maybe that they, that they wouldn't previously have done without your help, which then obviously becomes self-financing, self-funding, and then they're able to have a bit of dignity in terms of the, the, the work that they get, they, they do, um, they're able to serve their family, to help their family, etc. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, most definitely. Um, there's one organisation in particular that we've, we've done quite a bit with, um, or we've been privileged to do uh, what has not been that much time-wise, but it's been a real privilege to be involved with, and that organisation is called Paradigm Shift. Uh, and, uh, and so what Paradigm does, uh, and we've just walked a little journey with them, uh, is uh, they, don't, they don't actually come along to a, a township or a, a poor entrepreneur and say, hey, here's a great business idea. They say, hey, if you've already got an existing micro-business, it might be, um, it might be baking cakes and selling them to your neighbors. It might be as simple as that. Uh, but if you've already got a simple business like that, um, we will, uh, at no cost to you, um, and through a partnership with a local church, will help that uh, that small entrepreneur to become bigger and better at doing what they do uh, by giving them some some basic uh, entrepreneurial uh, training, if you like, um, but not working on the on the principle of teaching somebody to become an entrepreneur, but rather training them to become a successful entrepreneur where they've already got that that core skill, if you like, a core gift of, of entrepreneurship. Um, and then in that particular uh, situation uh, with with paradigm. Um, there's, uh, there's four different uh, elements to paradigm. One is the entrepreneurial mentorship. One is a discipleship, and those two are compulsory. Those two are the things that every one of those 6,000 or so people have, have, been, have been put through, if you like, or uh, from a systemic perspective. And then there's two parts to that which are uh, optional for the church to get involved in, and that is uh, a, um, uh, a life skill or coaching uh, um, uh, element and also the microfinance element as well. Um, so the very best of those micro-entrepreneurs who are doing really well but uh, are nevertheless constrained by capital, uh, then sometimes the church will provide a, a microfinance element to, uh, to, to that mentorship as well. Yeah. Splendid. And, um, I mean, if someone is listening who, who feels social entrepreneurship is a, you know, might be a route for them, what, what kind of career path would you suggest? What, what are the things that you, th- you think they need to be engaging in initially? If they're say say they're in their twenties or something like that. Um, look, I think um, my catch-all scripture, which I can use for pretty much any situation, and say that it's one of the best scriptures that I know is Psalm thirty-seven four: "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart." So, uh, I think uh, if somebody feels that uh, social entrepreneurship is potentially a calling, then um, spend time with God and, and get clarity on that. And if it is, it will become really obvious. Um, one of my uh, one of my pet sayings, if you like, uh, over the last few years has, has been the difference between a good idea and a God idea is uh, is somewhere between one letter and a million miles. Uh, and <laughs> yes. uh, and so not not just pursuing something because hey that's a fantastic idea, um, but rather laying it before God and surrounding yourself with a wise council of elders and saying hey is this really is this really a God idea as opposed to just a, a nice idea or a good idea. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, go volunteer somewhere. Go spend some time, uh, whether it be in your own country or in a different country. Uh, go spend some time 
with you know if if, if you're an entrepreneur for example go spend some time with a um, with a charitable institution uh, in a in a place that you might otherwise not normally spend that time with and and just see if you can add value to it and if that's something that ignites your spirit um, second thing I'd say is the question that uh, I'll often ask of people if if they are, are saying to me hey Andy can you help speak into my life around something to do with uh, social entrepreneurship for example I'll say what's the thing that makes you most angry and whatever the answer is go pursue something around that in other words it's that anger in a, in a Christian spirit that probably is the thing that God's implanted in them as a uh, as a heart's desire to see something change whether that be poverty homelessness uh, drug abuse human trafficking etc uh, etc et um and then I think the final thing that I would say is, um, it's almost it's almost always the case that you don't have to build your own thing, but you can partner with somebody else's thing. Um, you can you can partner with an existing mission or an existing charity or an existing enterprise that's probably doing what you uh, feel that God's calling you to do. Um, and and so very often by partnering, uh, once again coming back to that Psalm 133, where there's unity in the body of Christ. Uh, that's a wonderful thing, um, but also, you know, the uh, breaking down that need for either for ego's sake or for, for church brand's sake, or whatever the case may be, to have, you know, our own thing. Uh, and secondly, just breaking down some of the, the duplication of, of costs and structures and so on in having, you know, thousands of charities rather than uh, a, a smaller number of thousands of charities, uh, for example, and not having thousands of back offices and thousands of, uh, finance uh, um, structures, etc. Um, uh, you know that to me makes perfect sense in terms of partnering with uh, organisations that already exist wherever possible. No, that's, that's great, great advice, Andy. Thank you so much. Um, and and have there been books and resources that you think might be valuable for folk to read, or that you've found useful along the way? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess it's. It, 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 it goes without saying that the Bible is pretty useful, yes. and certainly, certainly different parts of it more than others uh, in terms of this particular calling. Um, but two two books in particular that I found uh, really helpful. I found quite a few helpful, but two in particular that I found really helpful. One I started reading for the first time, or read for the first time when I was probably eight or ten, um, and I've read it many times since. Uh, I've given it away many times, and I keep trying to buy it, actually out of print. But uh, every time I see a, a second-hand copy, I'll pick it up so that I can read it again and then give it away. Uh, again, but that book is called Mover of Men and Mountains, and it's by a guy called R.G. Letourneau, uh, who was the inventor of the original Caterpillar tractor, articulated um, uh, tractor um, track, and um, that was hugely influential for me. Uh, a 10-second summary of, of, of his life is that he made his money, or he made his fortune three times, and lost it twice, and on, on the third time, he realized that it was all God's, and none of it was his in the first place, and so... Um, probably a little like me, uh, but in his case, a lot more successfully so and, and more transformationally so. Um, he, he had that, that encounter with God uh, where the remainder of his life was all for God's purposes rather than, uh, you know, um, for his purposes. And so in his particular situation, he was giving and tithing um, and giving away 90% of, of his personal and corporate profits uh, as opposed to 10%. Um, so that was, you know, really transformational for me as a young guy. Can you remind and, me of the uh, surname again, Andy? Sorry. Yeah, R.G. Letourneau. Um, R.G. Letourneau. Yeah. Yeah, T, uh, sorry, L-E and then T-O-U-R-N-E-A-U. 
Fantastic. Thank you. And you were going to mention another um, book? Yeah, and the second book, which I found really helpful, particularly in the last couple of years, has been a book uh, called Not By Might, Not By Power. Uh, and it's written by a South African guy called Graham Power, uh, who's a wonderful man of God, uh, great Christian entrepreneur, phenomenal business builder, uh, and in the last uh, uh, 20 years has, has, has become um, a wonderfully committed Christian man. And he has seen uh, the start of the International Day of Prayer and that uh, the International Day of Prayer movement prosper. And I think the, um, the thing that I found hugely encouraging about his book in particular is just that uh, just that boy-like belief that nothing is impossible with God. Um, and so seeing a, a young Christian guy uh, with a dream to see a nation transformed, or to, in fact, initially to see one city, Cape Town, transformed, uh, he's seen significant transformation right across South Africa and greater Africa uh, and then into other parts of the world. Um, and uh, so that, that's been a, a huge encouragement to me. Uh, Randy, well, sadly, time is, is pretty well gone, so it's been absolutely fascinating to chat with you, and thank you so much for your wisdom and insight and for, for, for suggesting that the books, again, are Move of Men and Mountains by uh, R.G. Letourneau and Not by My, Not by Power by Graham Power. So uh, thank you, Andy. How come uh, I'm, I'm, I hesitate to say how do people get in touch with you because you may not want that, but, uh, you know, uh, presumably if, if people Google your name, they could find out a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've got a. I, I hate. I hate. Uh, yeah, I do hate the question, but that's okay. Um, if uh, if somebody looks for my website, um, Andy Steele Smith, A N D I E S T W E L E S M I T H dot com. There's a contact me uh, button on there. If somebody does want to contact me, and and uh, and if there's anything that I can do by way of advice, then it'll be, it'll be my privilege to do so. Well, thank you again so much, and do uh, continue to enjoy your uh, vacation, and uh, we'll uh, uh, you know look forward to being in touch again sometime. So God bless. So you've been listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Andy Steele-Smith. We're looking at social entrepreneurship. Uh, do go to Premier's website and you can find archive versions of Leadership Fire, including this one, in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 